Um, tonight is QA Bible study. We haven't done this in a couple days. So how many of you have never been to a QA? I think everybody, you haven't been, Angela? Okay, so you haven't been to a QA? Brother, oh man. So now it's not as good. I'm not going to, you know, I'm telling you, Randy did a great job with apologetics. So it might be like, wah, 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 you know. So he's been like a fire hose, you know, just uh, really getting after it the last several weeks. Did a great job with that and uh, appreciate appreciate. Um, the work that what you can see that's not everything right he, he's just giving you the uh the, the highlights so he's got a lot of uh, work that's gone into that that uh, teaching and appreciate everything that uh, he has done and and also his example just being a soldier and uh, just pressing forward <clears throat> and uh, uh be praying for him he just had an mri as well and it came back uh with a good you know another good report so we praise the lord for that and so um, so if you haven't been to a QA uh, before, this is what we do. I, and I will tell you, we are coming up on another series before I jump into QA. I'll be doing, uh, uh, it's something we haven't done, uh, but it's been on our list to do. Uh, we put it on in the last seven-year cycles called Body Life. It was supposed to be like two weeks, but I think I'm going to end up stretching it out to probably seven uh, because I've got a lot to say about it. And I had a little curriculum that I had done before years ago. I haven't taught it actually in years and I was going to bring it back out. But after looking it over, I, I really, God's just put it on my heart. And so I'm going to need a little time to put things together the way I want. So I'll probably wait. I'll probably do some QA here for the next few weeks, unless there's some topics that come up that cause us to dive a little deeper. Um, up until October, uh, I'll be getting back from some trips. And, and so without all the disruption, then I can just plow ahead through the rest of the year, get that knocked out as we get into the holiday season. All right, so that's the, that's the road ahead. So now let me give you the rules of engagement for QA. I have a mic here because people cannot hear you online or see you, right? So the camera's on. Is it on? Okay, camera's on. So welcome to HBF if you're joining us online. We just had a season of prayer. We're glad that you're with us tonight. If you want to communicate with us and you're on YouTube, right, they can, can they, they can connect. Maybe something we're talking about, you'd like to comment or ask a question they will uh, let me know from the booth. So you, you're welcome to join in online as well. Uh, but uh, we will need you to use the mic if we exchange. So I know a lot of people are like, they can hear me. Well, we can hear you in here, but they cannot hear you out there without the use of this. And so, uh, and also in any recording, they won't be able to hear you. It'll just be like little mouse in the room. So now some of you are like, great. I will definitely not be saying anything because I don't want anyone to hear me. But uh, <clears throat> this is the deal. No question is dumb or stupid, just a question you don't ask. This is our textbook, and, and everything we ever need to know is right here. Uh, and guess what? I may or may not know it. So if I don't know it, we may just punt and bring it back next week. But, uh, but we, you know, don't be afraid to ask it, and we'll use the Bible as our textbook. And your comments are welcome one and two, because God, uh, you have the same Holy Ghost I do, so we can, uh, we can check out references that you have as well. And so that's how we do a QA Bible study, and hopefully we've progressed through several topics or several questions, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes I just go and go and go, so we'll just see where God takes us. All right, so what are your questions? Anybody been reading the Bible, got a question? I had a good question this week. I, I don't necessarily want to pose it here, but if I don't have anything else, I can just touch on it, but it won't take me but five minutes. Um, any, any questions? Okay, well, Bible study is over. We'll just, uh, we'll just, we'll just, yeah, thanks for coming tonight. That was good. That was quick. God bless you. You're dismissed. All right. Yeah, Pam. All right, Pam, here we go. <clears throat>
Now, don't give, I've learned over the years not to let Amy ask a question because she always stumps me. <laughs> Is there a scripture that tells us that as a believer, uh, if we turn from God and, you know, go back out in the world, that we lose our wisdom and knowledge and everything that uh, we would have established in our heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about that. Is there, a, is there a verse that tells us that if we go back to the world, we'll lose our wisdom and knowledge and the things that are established in our heart? Well, I, I think there's some... Let me put it this way. First of all, we can't lose our salvation. But there are some things we can lose. Uh, I'm going to write that down specifically so I don't, uh, I don't... I don't know that there's a verse that says it just like that. <clears throat> wisdom and uh, knowledge... And things in the heart, but there are some things we can lose, um, <clears throat> which would would tend to to get back to these issues, which is ultimately the you know the question that uh, you're posing is kind of what is lost when we what we would call backslide. And uh, for so let me before I jump into it, what, let me just put it out to you: what what are some things that we can uh, that when we when we, you know, turn back, so to speak, uh, what is that really called? Backsliding. Um, and that is a biblical term. Um, um, I'm trying to remember. Backsliding Israel is, uh, is, uh, is the term. If you have your Bible, just turn to, let's start here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to take a different route. Um, and you can be thinking about some things that you can lose. And if you come up with something, I, I've got a few things in my mind I could go to right away, but I want to just kind of set this up from a, maybe a different perspective than you might normally uh, approach it. Um, and I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and I'll just start with this because it's a picture, and pictures are really a lot easier to understand at times than than uh, the book chapters and verses of, of which we'll get to in just a moment. But uh, in regard to what you can lose and how you can lose it, uh, there's a great admonition by the Apostle Paul talking to a church. And, and by the way, if you... Um, um, well, I'll just hold what I'm going to say for just a second. That's how these things extrapolate because then all these start, thoughts start building and I'm in here for a long time. But let me just cut to the chase. So Paul here is admonishing the, the, the Corinthians uh, for a good reason. And I'll get to that in just a moment of what she's actually talking about, which is backsliding. Now, they're, they're having some serious sin issues in the church at Corinth. And so he writes this to them uh, as an admonition, right, to encourage them, uh, to admonish them to follow the Lord. Um, and he tells them, um, I'm sorry, I told you 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I meant 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, and he and he says in verse, I'll just start in verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant that how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat that same spiritual meat and they did all drink that same spiritual drink uh, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and, the, and that rock uh, was Christ. Now, if you if you know... The story, as Paul is obviously writing to the Corinthians, this is, uh, we know from his writings, this is like the second epistle, there were at least three, 
Um, but they're in our in our Bible. There's first and seconds what we have, uh, and so they have a foundation already laid. Paul's already laid this. So, um, was there a rock that followed the nation of Israel? Let me ask you that. Like a physical rock. What's he talking about? What followed them? Well, yeah, there was a pillar, right? A fire, and and there was a cloud, and that was the Lord. Now, that wasn't a rock, that was a pillar. So what he's saying is that that rock, that pillar, that cloud, was that's that's that was Jesus. I mean, he was he was in the in the pillar and in the cloud, and they and he followed them. Uh, capital R, proper noun. I mean, he's he's telling you this is his name. He's a rock. He's a rock. Okay, but verse five, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, this is where we're getting to uh, for the question about you know when we backslide, what can we lose? Well, you know, wisdom knowledge, and what other things? Now, these things were our examples. I think specifically she said our heart. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, right? So lusting after evil things uh, is not a good thing. Um, Neither be idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. And this is heavy. Now all these things happen unto them, for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now let me pause there. So Paul is saying, you know, and, and these folks, just like us, most of us know, what happened in the wilderness to the nation of Israel as they forsook the teaching of God's word. They were, now just to be clear, we're not talking about people who don't know Jesus. Uh, the question is for people who do know Jesus. So we're, we're starting with that point that these people are redeemed. They're born again. Their souls are sealed till the day of redemption. They cannot be unborn. They're not going to lose their salvation. But yet, Israel is the same way. Israel, you could individually lose your salvation, but as a nation, Israel is saved. Right, the promises to the nation of Israel, they have them even to this day. Even though incredible tribulation is about to come upon them, even though you know they're gonna they're gonna you know the temple be rebuilt, the Antichrist is gonna make an appearance, he's gonna the abomination of desolation, all that's gonna happen in Jerusalem, Israel. A lot of them are gonna go into perdition and literally burn in hell for all of eternity. But yet there will be a remnant. Romans 9 through 11. And yet God will establish that nation. And yet God will have 144,000 Jewish male virgins. And yes, he will come back and he will literally fulfill all those Old Testament promises. Why? Because as Romans 9 through 11 teaches us, God has a plan for Israel. As a nation, they are saved. But boy, they've struggled. And boy, it's paid the price. And still going to pay the price from sins of the past. So there are consequences which is your question, in essence, what are the consequences of backsliding, in essence? And I think this little list is good, because he starts talking about, check this out, and this is kind of an overview perspective, but in, your first, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, he's talking about baptizing. Now, he did, he's not talking about going down by the river and dunking. He's talking about identification, which is one of the, the, the definitions of baptism, it is immersion, that's the actual technical word, but as you see it in context, it's always also about identifying. 
And so he's saying that when you cross through the, the uh, specifically, I'll just read what it says. He says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how all your fathers were under the cloud, right, uh, and passed through the sea. He's talking about that cloud that followed them. And then they went through the Red Sea crossing, miraculous escape, just like us. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all identified with Moses. Ergo, the law was given to the nation of Israel. God had a covenant people through Moses and the law. And even though they already were, uh, you know, through, uh, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those promises were established in Genesis 12 up to that point, when we get to Exodus, there's a dispensation, right? A new uh, way God dispenses his grace to this nation, and that is through the law of Moses. They become stewards of the law, and they represent the Lord. They become the people, even to this day, that represent the law of Moses to the world. That's why, uh, but anyway, that's another story. I don't want to get off. Okay, so they have a responsibility, just like we have a responsibility. Um, we are, uh, we're not under the law, right? We're under what? Grace, right? And uh, we're to steward that, just as they were as a nation to steward the law, and still will steward the law. In the coming millennium, Jesus will rule and reign the planet from Jerusalem and the 12 tribes of Israel. They will be the law of the land, right? So God will fulfill his promises through them. So in the meantime, right, they're saved, but man, they struggle. And there's consequences. So let's go back over this list. Now, now he's talking about that, and then he's interesting. Look at this in verse 3. So he's talking about baptism in an Old Testament. This is one of the seven baptisms, which is another question. You might say, what are the seven baptisms? Well, we could do that as a Bible study question. So this is one of them. Uh, and then he transitions in verse 3, and he says, And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for that, that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, there's a lot here, but he's fixing to go to chapter 11 and deal with the Lord's Supper, where Jesus is our Passover. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper in the church. Now, that's the to- total local New Testament church context in chapter 11. So you can see he's dealing with baptized believers that are in the church partaking the Lord's Supper and dealing with what? Church discipline. And he opens this epistle with a situation that's so heinous that he's like, man, I'm not even there, but I can tell you from where I'm sitting, you need to take that brother out because the world's mocking you and it's a reproach to the testimony of Christ. Kick that brother out because he's having sexual relations with his uh, uh, stepmother, I believe it is. And so that's just not, had, no, that's just not, you know, you, you got to deal, you cannot just have so much grace <laughs> that it becomes lascivious, right? Unbridled lust is just welcomed in the church. He's like, no, no, no. Remove the leaven, right? Cut it out. So there's consequences right there, Pam. Fellowship. Fellowship is a big one. With the Lord and with the body. That's one of the consequences of backsliding. Now, some people do it themselves, right? Um, they, they, they remove themselves because their conscience can't bear being in fellowship. How many of y'all have like said, I don't really want to go to church because I'm convicted by my behavior and the Holy Ghost is convicting me. I just don't want to be around the believers. Not because they're bad, but because I'm bad. And you guys are so much better than me. So... Um, now, there's been times in my life, uh, 
And there's still times if I'm not walking in the Spirit, you know, you don't really feel like fully engaging with the body. You don't just like, you know, walk in, bouncing around, hey, and just loving up on everybody. Why? Because, you know, inside you're just a, you're just a complete hypocrite, right? You need to go to the woodshed with Jesus <laughs> and get back in Psalms and say, Lord, you know, I got a black heart. Go back to the, go back and First John 1, 9, and just in our heart, genuine repentance, getting our heart right. Right? So fellowship, and I mean, you, let's just be honest. I mean, can we do that at Bible study? Can we do that at church? Uh, I hope so. Right. So that's, be, fellowship is the first place you're going to see it. That's the first thing that Paul points out to the Corinthians. And, and that's also one of the things that's hard. Of course, we, you all know, and I don't want to bring that up too much around here. We've had situations like that, but I don't want to highlight that because we've also had awesome reconciliation, which is also part of that. That's the good news. And so fellowship's the first thing that we lose. Um, it's, it's, and, it, and before we, we, now God is not going to leave you or forsake you. That's the promise. I mean, we know that. But I don't know about y'all. I mean, it can affect your prayer life. I mean, how you feel, let me put it this way. How you feel about your brothers and sisters and your relationship to the church could be a mirror image of how you, your relationship is with the Father in heaven. You know, so fellowship, that's the answer, one of the answers. Fellowship's a big part of it. Without digging too deep, that's what happened. Just for those of you who want to go back, and maybe it'll generate more questions, but that would take you back to chapter 2. Um, let's see, am I, uh, chapter, cha- chapter 4, yeah. No, chapter 5, isn't it? Chapter 5, number of death, yeah. So, yeah, it takes you back to chapter 5. And so Paul is actually saying, look, guys, we come together. The one thing that we do uh, in Christ's absence is, is, is he has left the, the planet and he has indwelled us with the Spirit of God. We come together and we fellowship. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. We've all gone through an exercise of that the last few years, right? So we're all like, you know, over my, you know, un- unresurrected dead body, you will, <laughs> we're going to meet, you know, because this is what Jesus Christ told us to do. We meet together, fellowship. Pat and I were just talking about some ministry activities and how important it is, literally, in just a practical way, just to get around with, the, with food and fellowship, and just be with the brothers. There's something just sweet about fellowship. What we did Sunday was beautiful. Just hot dogs and Bibles and fellowship, man. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's Jesus juice. God's all about that kind of thing. And it's just a, what it is. What is all that about? Well, it's about Revelation chapter 19. There's coming a marriage supper of the Lamb. Right? And we're going to be in complete harmony and fill all our sin, not for our sin, not all our sins already judged on the cross, but all the things that we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad, will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll be very specific about that. All your sin is already on the cross, it's already done. So, really, what's happening when we're backsliding is we're quenching the Spirit. Right? God wants you to engage in fellowship with Him. And part of that is with the body, right? And so, man, you lose fellowship when you backslide. So 
The good thing about it is if you push yourself, how many of you, since none of you all other than me have like backslidden and not, not felt comfortable around the body of Christ, uh, so I'm the only one. Uh, I guess I'll have to answer this next question as well. <laughs> okay, there's, there's more than one of us. Man, you guys are letting me know what a dirty dog I am. So, uh, okay, so, so have you ever come to church then and, and just uh, pushed through? And man, and, and received a bucket of grace from the Holy Ghost, from the Word of God, and you just realize and you reckon, 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 right, Romans? yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive under Christ and that your sins have been already nailed to the tree and that God has forgiven you and that you don't have to merit his his all of a sudden you realize man this is all on me and God's like I know what's your problem and so what do you you covet with God oh man God I'm, I'm gonna follow you and then he, he restores you now that happens in a microcosm way I know this happens to everybody all the time. That's why we meet. That's why we're meeting tonight. That's why we meet on Sundays. We need it. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, right? Oh, God, take my heart and seal it in thy courts above, right? We want want to be in fellowship with God, and that is definitely connected to one another. That's why the devil hates us and wants to destroy our fellowship. He wants to destroy the fellowship with your spouse. Another place you'll see it, and Amy She'll even every once in a while say, Brian, what's wrong with you? That's kind of like AKA. Are you right with God? <clears throat> you know? Because we get, I'll get edgy, right? Whatever. Get a little irritated, whatever. And just not, it's not me. Well, who, who is me? Really, it's, no, you're actually seeing me. But that guy's crawling off the cross. <laughs> let's put him back on the cross and let's see some more Jesus, right? So we got to die to self. So a lot of times, that's all I'm saying, right? We can, we, can, we can realize what we're losing, which is fellowship, and that peace with God. Peace is the other one, which I'm, I'm going to, I can give you a short list here in a minute. I'm kind of dragging this out a little bit so we can really wade around in what can be lost. But, <clears throat> but uh, fellowship is usually the first thing that you're going to notice. Peace, obviously. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short list because some of you probably already know where I'm going with this. So, but uh, but uh, let me just stay here in 1 Corinthians. So let's just say that we don't take... I'm going to give you all the, well, let's go this. Let's do this. This is obviously, you can tell, extemporaneous. I don't have any plan. I'm just rolling. So forgive me if I'm confusing you. But let me give you another cross-reference, and then I want to come back to this. So hold me to coming back so I don't forsake the the conclusion of the matter. But uh, go over to Galatians, because the really short list that that you'll see, and you you lose really all of this at at one time, but this is what will happen um, when we backslide. This is what this is this is this is bottom line. And Pam, you probably knew this before you asked the question. But what can you lose? Well, the Bible tells us in in, in Galatians five sixteen. This I say then: walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. It sounds almost like what Paul was saying in Romans chapter seven, doesn't it? Right, the things I want to do, I can't do. You know, he's going back and forth. But he says, but, verse, verse 18, but, conjunction, junction, what's your function? It says here, if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Remember that. Who has the law? Moses has the law. We got grace. You're, we're, we're free. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. 
This is the same list that he was getting into in 1 Corinthians 10, right? So let's quickly read through that. Uh, adultery. Are you running around adultery? Yeah, you, you're, you're not being led of the Spirit, even if you're born again. Fornication, um, you know, that's sexual sin. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is unbridled lust. Idolatry, uh, which is associated with covetousness in Colossians 3.5. Witchcraft, which is rebellion. Hatred, which is self-explanatory. Variance, which is, which is discord among the brethren. Emulations, which is rivalries and jealousies. Wrath, right? You're ready to punch them in the face. Seditions, uh, you know... A lot, we just had a whole, you know, January, it's sedition. You know, you're trying to overthrow things and undermine things. Heresies, right? False teachings and, and, um, and misrepresenting the truth. Envyings, uh, murders, uh, drunkenness, revelings, you know, self-explanatory. And just whatever else, just such like, right? All that kind of stuff. Well, what is that? Well, that is the works. You like that? Works, not the fruit. It is the works of the flesh. Uh, that's what works out uh, the, of the flesh. But, another conjunction. Um, oh, let me back up. So what does that do? What are you going to lose? Well, this is a big, big, big answer to your question here. Uh, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people read that to say, well, then you, you've lost your salvation. Which brings up another question. Can you lose your salvation? Well, if you can't lose your salvation, then, and it says you can, but well, then what's that saying? Oh, that's right. You can lose your reward. What's an inheritance? Inheritance is what you receive. Let's just use it in a common vernacular, right? Like if you have a, a relative and they bequeath you a home, um, upon my death, I'm going to bequeath my kids 2601 Matt Street. And I write it in a will, and testament, right? My son and my daughter, Elizabeth, they get my home at 2601 Matt Street in the event that I croak over dead, right? I bequeath that to them. That's their inheritance, and what they do with it's on them. However, it's conditional. I don't like the way you're, you know, you know, whatever. It's subjective. I don't have to bequeath them anything. Right? Inheritance. Well, Dad, I never have liked you. <laughs> uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I just just stole, you know, I just took all the money out of your bank account and I punched Mom in the face on the way out the door. That might change the way I feel about bequeathing that house at 2601 Matt to my son. Does that change the fact that he's my son? No. Doesn't change anything about his relationship to me. He's still my son. But that doesn't mean I'm going to give him the house. You see what I'm saying? Well, God's entrusted to us his testimony. Just like my kids run around wherever they run around with the name of me on their back, on their jersey, or whatever they're doing. And uh, they also represent, more importantly, they represent the Lord, just like you. And you represent your church because you identify with the Lord in, uh, through salvation and baptism. Uh, you publicly show that. You also then represent the church. That's why we have church discipline, by the way. All right, so you can lose your inheritance is my point. That's a, that's a short story long, is you can lose your inheritance. You can lose fellowship. Hopefully you quickly repent. But if you just continue in sin, that grace may abound. God forbid, how shall we, this is Romans chapter 6, how shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? I just butchered it. 
I had it going there for a minute. So, right, God forbid, how shall we continue in sin that, that grace may abound? Let me read, I just got to read that now because I'm frustrated with what I just said. So Romans chapter 6, Paul says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's what I'm trying to say. And so, I think that's what it said. Let me get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly, I got it right. So, that's all I was trying to say. So, we, if we continue to backslide, well, you, you, there's some things at risk. You'll lose your inheritance. And uh, that's obviously, who's, who's in position to tell you what you're going to get or not going to get? God, is it me? No. Not the pastors of our church. It's not the deacons, right? It is the Lord. And so that you'll answer for that, the judgment seat of Christ. So let's move on to the next verse in, in Galatians 5. Okay, so let's, this is kind of getting more down to the... So you really got these extreme positions. Um, and so verse, uh, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, all nine of them, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's the evidence that you're walking in the grace of God, right? And it's not fruits, plural. It is fruit, singular. So the evidence of the Spirit of God will be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, I, I literally, I was, just, I was just reading today in my daily reading in James and wisdom from above is, first of all, peaceable. Peaceable. And that, that goes in even in the tribulation when the, when the chips are really down and it's tough. You're to be peaceable. As much as lieth in you, live peaceable with all men. The Lord, with all men, the Lord is at hand. So the presence of Jesus Christ brings peace. Christ is in us. The fruit of the Spirit should be manifest. If it's not, it's because we are working in the flesh. We've allowed the flesh to take over instead of the Spirit. And we've got to crucify. You know, we've got to reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin so we can be alive unto God. It's not that we're not alive, but we've got to get the mind in us, right? We've got to let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. The battle is in the mind. It's not in the flesh. It's in the mind. And believing what the Bible says about your flesh being already crucified so that the power of the Spirit of God can, can have his, his, his course in us. So there's a point of coming to, literally, you have to, when you, when you got, I don't know about you, when I got saved, I died to self, right? That's how I got saved. I just came to the place, I'm like, not my will, but thine be done. Whatever I understood about it in the context of salvation, and I received the gift of, of eternal life, ergo I received the gift of the Holy Ghost instantly. But that doesn't mean you just walk in the Spirit, right? Your flesh is right there to meet you. That's what Galatians is talking about. And so it takes time. Well, how do we get that straightened out? It's our mind. So there's a mind, our mind is messed up. When we are continually and perpetually backsliding, there's something going on in our mind that's affecting our heart, that's affecting our walk. And so we've got to renew our mind. So what can we lose? Well, we just listed what is lost. Love. So if you're looking for a thermometer, again, we can go back to 1 Corinthians. What's Paul going to talk about in chapter 13? Charity. Right? It's, he's going to talk about love. Love is associated with joy, right, and peace. So those, those are all things that, uh, you know, are uh, internal, but they also work their way out. Long-suffering is tangible on the outside. Internally, you have love, joy, and peace, which the Spirit of God is, it, He's all about that. 
But that results in long-suffering with others, gentleness to others, goodness to others. And then there's some that relate to, you know, the Word of God, you know, faith, right? You believe what God's Word says. It affects your disposition, your meek, which is, is power under control. You know, so you're able to apply Ephesians chapter 6, and you're not lording over your house, kicking your kids around, smacking your wife around. You're like, hey, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to provoke my children under wrath. I'm going to be meek. I'm under authority. I know I'm in authority. I don't need to prove my authority. I'm going to handle this the way Jesus would handle it, right? So it changes your disposition. There's meekness. Um, so, you, you know, you can, you can, you can uh, be temperate, the next thing, right? Temperate in all things. The Lord is at hand. Um, and uh, against that, there's no law. So the point is this. Those, all of those things will be missing in your life and replaced with the other things on the other side of the page or the other, wherever the, the previous verse there in verse 19. So a lot of times we focus on the works of the flesh, but it's really a void of the priority of the Spirit. That's the real issue. The works of the flesh are going to be there. So it's not like, oh, I can't believe. Well, you, I promise you, if any of us get in, allow our flesh to control us, we're going to look like the other side of that, uh, that coin. That's, you know, that's just how it works. And so you can lose, uh, practically speaking, you know, when you're lacking, uh, the, when you're quenching and grieving the Spirit, or grieving the Spirit. Quenching, of course, is, is like... Uh, putting out the fire that God's put in you, and grieving is, is you know, doing things you shouldn't do um, that are grievous to the Spirit of God. And In Ephesians, it speaks of, of that. So when that's going on in our life, obviously, uh, our flesh is in control, and God wants, he wants that back. He wants control of our life. It's always about control, and it starts in the mind and the will. All right, that's, that's the heart. You can know all the right information, but not yield. That's a heart matter. That's why salvation starts with, with obviously, that right information. How are they going to get saved without a preacher? The gospel is the power of God into salvation. But it's got to be coupled with a heart that will receive it, right? And you've got you to yield. You've got to submit. That's why he's called Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you'll be saved. You know, we don't need to run away. I'm all about God's grace and his love and all that, but at the end of the day, he's Lord. Don't, don't get that wrong. He's at large and in charge. Okay, so... Someone who's backsliding and getting in that in that situation, Pam. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna rebel. Uh, rebellion's part of what we see in the works of the flesh. They're gonna fellowship's gonna be affected. Love's gonna be affected. Joy's gonna be affected. Peace's gonna be affected. It's gonna be evident. They're not gonna be long suffering anymore, gentle anymore, um, good anymore. <laughs> they're gonna have no faith in the Bible anymore. You know, all of these things are become self evident, uh, as you know. So let me get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a lot that can be lost if we continue. But that's not the most extreme thing that can be lost. The biggest thing that you can ever lose as a backslidden Christian is what I want to really point out, which is redundant and repeated in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is really the warning that Paul's putting out in general, and we get to it in chapter 11. And he says here in in chapter 10 and verse 6, uh, you know, I'm, God wasn't well, well pleased with our picture, Old Testament picture of Israel. We've already established they're saved, already established God's got a plan for them. They're just like us in that regard as a nation. Well, we individually, God has a plan for us. He, you can't get out of heaven once you get saved. You're born again. But your inheritance can be infa- affected. And so 
<clears throat> he says, now these things were, in verse 6, are examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also left it, lusted, neither be idolaters, which is mentioned in Galatians as well, um, as some of them, as it is written, they, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Uh, they were playing around, which is usually how backsliding happens, right? We just want to have fun, you know? We just want to have a good time. We want to play. We just play around. It seems, oh, it's, it's no big deal. No big deal. We're just going to play around. We're going to play with sin. That's, that's a dangerous place to be. We, and I think, and I'll just be honest, I think we all like to play around with sin at times. We start to think, well, I can handle that. You know what? And me and all of us, man, no, don't, don't, uh, you don't know. Just be humble, right? Go back to the fruit of the Spirit. Don't, don't play with sin. And then he says, neither be idolaters as some of them, as it was written, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Oh, I already said that. Um, they ate and they drank, and next thing you know, they're playing. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. So now they're, they're, having, they're getting intimate with sin. Let's just put it that way. They were eating and drinking and playing. Now they're getting intimate. They're going to a whole new level. And the next thing you know, they're, they're dead. There's death. People are losing their life. People start to lose their life. Now you think, oh man, I haven't killed anybody. You know what we really don't know is what we're missing while we're walking in the flesh, doing the works of the flesh. What opportunity did I miss to preach the gospel? What opportunity did I miss to win someone to Christ? Guys, I, a true story, I'll tell you a little bit. I, I'll go back in the archives because I don't want to get too contemporary. But back in the archives, true story. Um, Amy and I were uh, at, a, at a party for my, my job, and uh, we spent the night at this hotel, and, and I just wasn't walking in the Spirit. And I got up that morning, and, and I was wrestling with everything we're talking about. I was just full of condemnation and just just uh, over my own just wickedness and lustful thoughts and stuff like that. And just not feeling, I don't know if you've ever been there, but just not feeling right with the Lord. I was also young in the Lord, and I was working through a lot of stuff, just really how the Bible applies and stuff. I really, working it out in my life, just feeling like, uh, and I just, if, just, so I'm given to that condemnation, by the way, self-condemnation, like just like, oh, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, just kind of, just feeling like useless. Anybody ever been there? Just like, man, I cannot be serious. I can't, God can't use me. Well, duh. <laughs> God wants to use you. It's not because of you meriting it. So I hadn't really worked out grace. And some of that was because of bad preaching, as a matter of fact, uh, or bad teaching that I was receiving that I later got washed out. It took a few more years. But anyway, I won't get into that tonight. But in that kind of stupor and state, I, I remember that day I was reading First John one nine. I was confessing, I just, but I didn't feel it because when you're young in the Lord, you go a lot off your feelings. You don't just go off of truth, which was also part of the drill. God teaching you to just trust what the Bible says, even over how you feel. But you know, you're still going with your emotions a lot, and so I'm not feeling it. And uh, but this is the good. This is going to end on a good note. So that's why I'm telling you this story. Um, <clears throat> and it was that day. Uh, we left, uh, I was actually over there today, I had to, some business over, it was the Doubletree Hotel, and then I left the Doubletree, and we, for whatever reason, we went back to Independence, where our parents lived, 
because we were married and that we were in, from independence, but not this part of independence. Not that that matters. But God had a divine appointment for me is where I'm going with this. And so I go back to my own hometown, and for some reason we stopped at 7-Eleven. Uh, now, Amy probably didn't know what I was wrestling with, you know, um, or she probably did but didn't say anything or whatever, <laughs> you know how women are. And so I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm just not feeling holy, if you know what I'm saying, because you're, you're working in the world and you're dealing with this and that and whatever. I don't even know, you know, but you're holy anyway. You're sanctified, whether you like it or not. <laughs> And in truth, my heart was really good because I was wrestling with it. I mean, I didn't at the time I didn't really understand that, but that you know I, I was swallowed up with condemnation. But and so I roll into this Seven Eleven and I get out and here comes this guy out the door, and uh, I, I used to know him from high school and stuff. And I said, "Hey," and I see him, boom, and how's it going? And instantly I'm just I'm just locked in. We're having a conversation and. I'm talking to him, and he's full of, <laughs> I thought I had condemnation. You know, 30 seconds into the con- conversation, I'm like, man, this dude is, he's really feeling insecure. He just married his young wife, and uh, she's a few years younger than him, just, I think, senior in high school still, still in high school. He's a couple of years out of high school. And uh, <clears throat> and it's like, uh, I'm talking to him, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, man, this guy needs Jesus. I say, hey, brother. I don't call him brother because he's not a brother. I don't want to say his name because um, you know him. But uh, anyway, I say, hey, uh, can I share with you, you know, uh, I think I gave him a track. I said, can I give you a track or whatever? I gave him a track that I had on me. And I started witnessing to him. I don't remember all the particulars. I just laid out the gospel there on, this, on the concrete in front of 7-Eleven, 24 in Susquehanna. And... Uh, and he received it. You could tell his heart was open. And he needed something. And it was not me. He needed Jesus. And so we made an appointment. I said, uh, hey, could we come and pick this up later? And so, yeah. So anyway, to make a long story short, we went over there and uh, busted the word with them. And they got saved, both of them. And so, and that, by the way, that couple, I will tell you their name, is Big Bill Johnston and Carolyn Johnston. So, bam, they got saved, you know. And so... And that began a whole other discipleship process. But anyway, the point of telling you all of that was, that was an opportunity. And I almost missed it. Because I was, I was beating myself over sin that was confessed hours earlier. It was under the blood and gone. And, and thank God. Thank, we always say, thank heaven for 7-Eleven. <laughs> so he, in his providence, God led me to this divine appointment. In, one, in, 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 in large part, even to this day, when I see Bill, it's a reminder, not of my sin, but of God's grace. And the opportunity that I could have missed if I'd have been swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. And so learning how to deal, this is really, I'm just talking about dealing with sin. Sorry, I've kind of gone off a little bit. But you can lose, my point is, one of the biggest things you can lose with sin is opportunity. Not that the opportunities aren't there, but you can miss them. Because you're, you're consumed with you. It's not what God taught me that day is, Brian, it ain't about you. There's people that got real issues that need Jesus. You need to get out of yourself and get into me and be about me. So that, get your mind right, boy. Your problem is you are all messed up in your mind and your heart. And I need it in my mind renewed. And some of that, again, I, I come to find out later, 
was because I didn't, I wasn't reckoning myself dead indeed to, to sin. I wasn't actually, I was, esteem, I was giving sin too much esteem. And, the, and the, the, the Spirit of God, not enough. And so God really helped me with that later. So, um, so you lose opportunity. Now what we see here in 1 Corinthians 10 is that's really what Paul's saying is that these folks are messing up. And now it's starting to cost lives. People's lives are being lost. So it's like, well, what's, what's, what could happen to me? Well, frankly, you're saved. Who gives a rip what happens to you? What about the lost people that aren't getting saved? Because you're so consumed with the flesh. So now, now we're dealing with people that dress up and go to church, but they're still walking in the flesh. And they're just covering it up. They're hypocrites. Okay, they're still not leading people to Christ either. All right, so you see what I'm saying. People start dying. And so you move on down. Let's just keep looking. So neither let us tempt, verse 9, Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So now we have, of course, this is the Numbers 14, I believe is the chapter, where um, you know the serpents come out, fiery serpents, and Jesus, uh, or we put up the, the serpent on a stick, again, tying us back into Galatians. And and how look and live again the old hymn look and live my brothers uh, look and live my brothers how's that go look to Jesus now and live it's recording his word hallelujah yeah it's only that you look and live how many of you know that hymn oh my goodness like two of you Ron can we sing that on Sunday night look and live we got to sing that song Numbers fourteen look and live you know that song Jamie oh. It's recorded in his word. Hello. Is, is it 18 or 14? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a divisible by four. <laughs> I don't know. There's a four or an eight in it. Anyway, four doesn't go into 18. Maybe 4.5. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> my point is, is, it, is, it, that, is it, uh you know, how do they get out of that? Well, they, they look to, a, to Jesus who became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we, we might be made the righteousness of God, right? So... Numbers, I got it in my text here. Numbers twelve one through twelve is where that would be found, I believe. Um, <clears throat> if I got the no, I've got that's the murmuring. That's the next verse. So um, verse ten: Neither murmur ye as some of them were murm- uh, murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So people are getting picked off. By serpents, by uh, the destroyer. Now, verse 11 again is where we left off. Now, all these happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. It didn't say the end of the world. It means the ends of the world, all the way out here to where we live today. Right? This is applicable to everybody, because the gospel needs to go to everybody, all nations. God allowed them to be an example. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, you know what, God, one of the things I learned in discipleship, one, my discipler taught me, I'll never forget it. He said, he looked at me right across the table. He probably had glasses like this and took them off. No, I don't know. And said, Brian, you're either going to be a vessel of honor or you're going to be a vessel of dishonor, but either way, God's going to use you. And that kind of was like, okay. And I just thought about it. And then I was in shepherd school and Alan Shelby was teaching and he did a whole message on poopy pots. <laughs> And being a poopy pot, meaning a bedpan uh, from the Old Testament. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, now I get this vessel of honor, dishonor thing. Really good. I'm getting it, Lord. I'm getting it. 
What kind of, God's going to use you, but what kind of vessel do you want to be? You want to be a vessel that he takes off the shelf and pours full of clean water and drinks from? Or do you want to be a vessel, you know, take the gates around Jerusalem and the dung gate, right? Which, which gate do you want to be? You know, and so uh, how's he going to use you? Well, that's in large part part of this question that we're asking about. What can you lose? An opportunity to glorify God. That's ultimately, if we boil this whole discussion down, the biggest thing you're going to lose is the opportunity to glorify God, which will be manifest in souls at the judgment seat of Christ in, a, in, in, in glory. We, our inheritance is glory, which is an illumination, is a magnification. And so there'll be some dimwits, and it'll be evident that they invested in the flesh. The, the, the biggest thing they're going to be lose is opportunity to glorify God. And that is also manifest, by the way, in death. So you can also just throw this in here. Uh, Paul, in the next chapter, just to kind of, I think I can top it off here, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So Paul goes through the Lord's Supper, and what does he say? As he as it, Now we kind of take everything we've heard up to this point in 1 Corinthians, and, and just for tonight's sake, just summarizing it in, we've talked about baptism, we've talked about the Lord's Supper, we've talked about sin, talked about the Spirit of God, right? And you bring all that together, and wow, we're at the Lord's Supper, and he's trying to get this feast straightened out, so they're coming with the right heart attitude, right, and all of that. And so not only do you, can you lose your fellowship, not only can you lose your love, joy, peace, and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, me, all those, those attributes and those, the, the fruit, I should say, of the Spirit, but you can lose your life. That's the only where I'm going with this thing. So Paul, I won't read all of it. You guys know the context, but right, verse 29 of chapter 11, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't understand that until I became a pastor. I heard that, I read it, I'd seen it, whatever is kind of in my head. But once I became a pastor, I realized, man, when we choose to walk in the flesh, which is backsliding, we don't really realize the impact it has on other people in the body. It hurts. I'm looking at Chris, man. I, this brother's been hurt because people in his life haven't walked in the Spirit. And he wouldn't tell you that. I know that. I know a lot of you get hurt in here because people don't walk in the Spirit. It hurts the body. It's putting ourselves ahead of everything. That's what idolatry does. That's what all that does is putting us ahead of God's will. It's all about putting him first. My daughter, she wrote on her fingernail. She's all proud of it. I love me, you know. Did you see that, Amy? And so today we were driving, and it's like, Dad, what do you think of my fingernail? Well, since you asked, thank you for asking. I think it's beautiful. I said, but I don't really like what it says. And then she quotes something to me that is totally contemporary. And I said, honey, that's the message of the world. I said, I'd like it a lot better if it says, I love, I love God, and then I love others. She says, yeah, but, Dad, you're supposed to love yourself. I said, honey, that's what the world's telling you. I said, honestly, you're supposed to love God and others and put yourself third at least. It's like this I am second. Ever since that's come out, I'm like, I am second? What do you mean? Let's put I'm last, <laughs> right? We don't want to be second, right? Love God, love others, at least be third, right? That's the mindset that we're to have. That's a, that's a teaching point. I'm not throwing my daughter under the bus. I'm just saying that's the message of the world, right? It's all about me. It's all about me. But when you get saved, it isn't about you. It's about God, and it's about others. 
And then it's about joy comes from Jesus, others, and yourself. And that's what it's first John says. These things are right unto you that your joy may be full. Love, let me see, where's that joy come from? Love, joy, peace. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So you can lose all of that. You can lose your joy. You can lose your peace. You can. Okay, so what, how do we fix that? Well, that's, he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And think about how it relates to the body. And put yourself in place. Check yourself, pal or gal. And make sure you're in the right place. Judge yourself. Put others ahead of yourself. Put me ahead of yourself and get yourself in proper order. And, of course, that's what he's talking about. And he even goes on to say, um, if you don't discern the Lord's body, that's a problem. For this cause, many are weak. So what can you lose when you backslide? You can lose your strength. You know, physical strength, spiritual strength, mental strength, you you name it. Many are weak and and, uh, sickly. You can lose your health. You know? And hey, I'm guilty of gluttony. Let's just talk about it. If I don't repent and quit eating ice cream late, man, I'm going to have problems with my esophagus. If I don't repent and not eat too many carbs or curb my appetite, I'm going to have a bad liver, have to have a biopsy. These are realities of me not telling my flesh no. Right? So it's not even dark, deep stuff. It's stuff that God tells you, Brian, stop it. Put others ahead of yourself. You're going to die too young and lose opportunity. You say you want to run the race, but you're going to be in shape to run it. Right? So these are things you've got to reckon with, with the Lord. Like, am I going to obey or am I just going to serve me? Yeah, but Lord, I don't want a vacation. I want to get away. Like, you know, Sal, what's that airline thing? Well, find a better way. Resort to me. Don't, don't, don't go to ice cream, please. All right, so anyway, um, moving on. Uh, Where am I at? Okay, verse 30. So, um, yeah, so for he that eateth, verse 29, drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, uh, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many, oh, here it comes. This is where I was wanting to kind of put the punctuation point. Many sleep, right? And we know uh, the cross-reference to that definition for sleep is found in in John chapter 11, right, that Jesus literally defines it. So if you have your Bible, look over there in John 11. We don't have to wonder what sleep means. Um, Jesus dealing with um, Lazarus, um, he tells the disciples. Uh, so this is a word that gets defined by Jesus, just to make this clear. This isn't a scholar's decision. This is what Jesus said, because it meant sleep meant sleep even in the first century <laughs> when, when it was spoken. It says in verse 6 of, of uh, John 11, When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. And after that, he said unto his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. His disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? And if a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Why, wait a minute, why are we risking our lives to go over to, um, uh, not Bethel, where is he at over there? Um, uh, 
Bethany. Yeah, Bethany, verse 1. Why are we risking our lives to go to Bethany? If he's just having a nap, man. I mean, <laughs> we'll be fine. So Jesus is like, okay, you're, you're like those saints in, in, in Laodicea. I've got to define this for you so you know what I'm talking about. Uh, then said, uh, verse 13, How be it Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken, taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So Jesus is the one who calls it sleep. And that's a whole other Bible study. Maybe we can get into that next week. But the point is, is that he, then of course we know he raises him literally from the dead. And so in, in, in 1 Corinthians 11, when it says that, that they sleep, what, it's not talking about taking a nap. It's talking about dead. Uh, some Christians die. They lose their opportunity. They go to heaven, sure. But their opportunity to glorify God, you only get one chance to walk around this planet with this dead carcass on you and still glorify God. Once you get out of this body, man, it's, it's gravy, and you're going. And it will be evident. This is the time in history, in all of eternity, when you get a chance every day to choose, every moment. And every day that we choose and every moment we choose to follow the Lord, it's an opportunity where we're bringing honor and glory to Him. And the magnitude of that will only be manifest once we get out of here and get to glory. And then we'll finally see when we get to the other side, wow! And I think a lot of us, like me and you, will see a lot of grace. And go, man, Lord, I don't deserve anything. And He's going to say, oh, you're wonderful, and we're going to take off that crown of whatever it is, if we got a crown, and we're going to cast it at his feet, knowing that we don't even deserve to be there, let alone receive all this grace that he's bestowed upon us. I mean, to rule and reign with him for all of eternity, holy moly. I don't know if I should even say holy moly after saying that, but I mean, really, I mean, that is just outstanding. What a grace that he's bestowed upon us. And what do some people do, sister? They backslide and they lose their life. They get out here and get stupid, get shot by the cops, drive off a bridge, overdose on fentanyl, you know, shoot themselves in the head, whatever it is, and God allows it, and uh, then they're gone. So, you know, and I can say this because he wouldn't mind me telling you, we, we for many years, our brother Del Idol was here, right? God literally had to hit him with a train to get his attention, almost killed him. Right? Sometimes God, some people are so thick-headed that that's what it takes. And for Dell, it worked. <clears throat> but God could have taken him out, too. But he chose not to. So, you know, don't play around with God. Not because God's going to beat you down. It's not like God's going to beat you down. That's not the issue. How you die is not even the issue. Dying is not even an issue. We're eternal. What happens when a Christian dies is they lose their opportunity to glorify God while they're in this flesh. It's over. Now you're living with the results for all of eternity. And so uh, it's, I don't, I don't know, I've, I used to play sports once upon a time. And I don't know, how, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, guys, I still lament to this day things that went wrong in athletic endeavors. You know one of the reasons why? I can't go back and fix it. And if you gave it all, you gave every last bit of devotion and you did your best, I don't really, I don't lose sleep over that. It's the times that I didn't give it all, and I didn't get the results I wanted, and I knew the problem was me not giving everything I had. Not realizing the moment, thinking that I had it, you know, just just 
not being as intense as I needed, whatever it was. I mean, I'm like literally thinking, I'm having PTSD. Can someone help me? And so, uh, so I'm just like, like losing the opportunity. And then it's over. Never do that again. And I've got moments, I literally, I got, it was a time when I was wrestling up at Raytown and lost this guy. Shouldn't have lost. I was literally sitting there in a cradle going, okay, I'm going to kick out of this in a second. I'm going to re-roll this little punk, and he's dead right now. I mean, that's how I was, I literally, I was like, this is going to happen. And literally, right before I'm getting ready to kick out, I'm not impressed with this guy's strength or nothing. I'm like, okay, here we go. And boom, the guy called me pinned. I'm like, what? And that was the biggest loss I ever had in my life because I was like, how did that happen? I was just getting ready to beat this kid, you know, and it was over. And, uh, man, I was devastated. Why? It wasn't because it'd be different if it was just like I just didn't try hard enough. I mean, that was that should not be an L. What in the world, you know? And I just really whose problem was that? It was mine. I think there's a lot of Christians that are going to be loafing. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And all of a sudden, it's over. And they realize they came up as a loss when they should have had a big win. And so I'm just saying, uh, there's a lot of things that we lose when we backslide. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the truth is a lot of it, you know, a lot of people, oh, you can lose your life, you can lose your joy, you can lose your... And that's all practical stuff, and those are all indications of what's going on. But the biggest thing we're going to lose is glory, an opportunity to give God glory, not to receive the glory, but to give God glory. And I think when we get to the judgment seat of Christ and we realize the opportunity we had to bring him honor and glory that we just kicked down the road, it is going to be devastating for every one of us because the magnitude of what really happened at salvation and the opportunities that we've had, not just for our salvation, but for everyone else's salvation. You know, what if you didn't get on that airplane and take that missions trip? What if... You know, what if, what if, what if? I mean, there's so many, and you know, it's, it's a what if game. We don't know, but we know God's character. And we know that if we seek him with our whole heart and we don't, um, and we confess our sin, forsake our sin, allow God to have mercy, he's super gracious. He'll give you fruit. He wants to give you fruit more than you want it. <laughs> uh, the issue is, do we really want it? Do we really want what God wants in our life? Do we want to die to self? And that's calculation. That's why he says, reckon yourselves dead, indeed unto sin, and alive. It's a decision that you make. And you've got to weigh it out every day. It's not, it's not over. Oh, well, I've done that. Guys, I'm your pastor. I've got to wake up every day and decide I'm going to serve Jesus today. I'm going to, I'm going to get after it. I'm going to follow him with my whole heart. Not half-hearted, not quarter-hearted. Whole heart. That's, the, that's what it really boils down to. It's a heart issue, mind issue. Heart issue, mind issue. And uh, you lose heart, you're in trouble. And guys, I've, and the devil will rock you. So there's times when you will lose heart, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta figure out how to stay in the battle and, and allow God to, you know, uh, get the glory. Bottom line, God's got to get the glory. Learn your lessons and keep moving forward. All right. So I, I don't have time for another question. Sorry about that. I went too long. But. Uh, I hope you guys are edified in the answer. Is there any? I didn't even add any other verses. I didn't even throw any any other any other uh, light that we want to shed on that subject. Yeah, brother. Okay, hang on. Put it on here. <clears throat> so Pam asked if you know we can lose knowledge and wisdom, and 
so you kind of talked about like the things that we can lose, but like if you've been saved and you know anything about scripture, I I don't think you would necessarily. It doesn't seem like you would lose like the knowledge of that because like the Holy Spirit would use that to convict you. So like if you've read your Bible, as if you know you 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 read it and you apply it, and you know that's wisdom and understanding and all that. So I think the Holy Spirit would use those things for conviction. And it would bring you back to the word. That way you can get back into fellowship and gain those things back. So is that kind of what you see what I mean? Like yeah, and I think like, you and I have both seen plenty of even wicked people that are full of scripture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so knowledge in itself is not necessarily, you know, the devil has a lot of knowledge. Right. Um, wisdom, on the other hand, is the application of knowledge. That is definitely lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not applying what you know. Right. But I think, I still think, the Holy Spirit will bring you back to the things that you know that you have known, and are you applying them? Yeah. Well, and the promise is He'll teach us all things whatsoever He said unto us. And of course, He was talking to the disciples, but we can apply that as well because the Holy Ghost is our teacher, comforter. So, absolutely, I just say Amen to that. So that does directly answer the question. So maybe that's all I should have said. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think definitely, yeah. Jesse, give him the mic. I was just going to say that um, I think the barrier for all of that is um, pride. Oh, totally. And there's a lot to say about that, too. Uh, You know, if you have too much pride, most likely you're backsliding. Um, If you're not humble and, you know, giving up yourself, then... You're being prideful. Amen. Yeah, a few month or so ago, a brother, that's what he, he needed to come home, and that's what he said to me. I said, bro, why haven't you come home? You know, I've been, I've been calling. And I know God's been calling. He's like, ah, oh, it's just my pride. He was honest. That was the first step of coming home, was just being honest about pride. You know, good point. That's really, that's really strong, because pride does come before a fall, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, pride keeps us from, a, like you said, there's a lot that the, the Bible says about pride. It is the it is a it's a nasty attribute of our hearts. That's kind of a heart issue. Pride's a heart issue. Satan lifted up his heart. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? All right. That's it. I think that was a good question. I'm not sure it was a good answer, but it was definitely a good question. So, um, awesome. So, if you guys have any questions that you like, anything that you want to discuss or have put on the table. Uh, you can you can email me if you want, or you can just wait and spring it when we get here, and you'll get what you get. Don't throw a fit, but that's what we got. So, um, but uh, there's a lot there's a lot you know the Bible's the main thing is you know we should be in the Word of God, and there's always something you know as we're in the Word of God. Not that you have to bring it to a QA Bible study, but if you have anything, I'd be happy to to field that. And so, um, anyway, all right. Well, that's good. Let's have a word of prayer. Uh, then and uh, remember the uh, the prayer list. Um, <clears throat> be praying for these missions trips coming up, the Bible conference coming up. I for, I neglected to mention too. Uh, you know we're praying for a cutter, a new trimmer. We're thankful for the trimmer we have. Right, man, it's done an awesome job, and it's still doing a good job. So, uh, but it it fails frequently, and 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 it's it's becoming. Uh, problematic at times. So we really need a more reliable 
uh, trimmer, especially to do the workload that's uh, being given to us by bringing precious seed. So just be, I'd ask that you pray for that. I was convicted the other day about uh, the issue of prayer. Um, you know, there's a lot of needs that we have. I mean, souls, that's the biggest issue, souls. We need to see people saved. Are we praying for people to get saved? And then stuff, like if we, the Bible, we know we need to get it somewhere on time. So let's not just talk about what we need. Let's just pray and ask God to provide the resources or the literal equipment. If somebody wants to donate the cutter for free, that'd be great. Uh, but whatever, uh, we, just need, we just need to ask the Lord to, to provide those things for his will, for the sake of others. It's not about us. It's about, you know, accomplishing the mission. And so I was thinking back to when we started the church, I mean, way early, as I've been doing that seven realities, I've been kind of reflecting on a lot of things. And man, God answers prayer. You know, you say, God, I want, we want to be a church that reaches the world. Well, he'll let you do it. <laughs> I mean, that's his will. You know, we want to send missionaries and plant churches. Well, it doesn't look like I got enough people to do all that, but he'll do it if we just ask, right? And, and, and so let's ask God for, for the needs and he'll provide them. So anyway, all right, let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to get together.